Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and and what's going going down down on the farm. farm. It's It's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 356, I believe it is. And we we got a show today for you. We got two guests, not just one. We got two guests today, and I think you're going to really enjoy both of them. Uh, let's bring on my first guest right away. You know him, you love him, can't live without him. My former co-host, Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thanks, Gary. It's great to be back. It's great to have baseball back, too. It is terrific, and Barry, the reason we wanted to get on because you wanted to talk to <laughs> our, our later guest, but also because you just got back from spending, what, uh, a week or week and a half? So? Uh, six, six days, five nights in Port St. Lucie with a wonderful group of people who are members of the fans of GKR Facebook social network group. We, we had an absolute blast. And for those that don't, don't know what GKR stands for. It's fans of Gary, Keith, and Ron. So uh, uh, it's a great Mets group. It's a positive Mets group, and everybody should go over and join it. And uh, a shout out to them. And and uh, anybody you want to give a shout out from the group too? Oh, absolutely, Gary. And I also want to make sure that our listeners know that the G in the GKR. For Gary is Gary Cohen, not Gary Mack. <laughs> Even though it could just as easily be Gary Mack. Well, but, we, can, we can share. <laughs> all right. Or we could just put a, a second G in there and make a G, GKR. But that's another story for another day. But like you said, I, I do want to once again say what a great time my wife Kathy and I had with several members of, of this group. And uh, we did a bunch of stuff together. We went to Duffy's where they where they uh, broadcast the uh, the, uh, the the you know, the, the spring training show, the, the, the show. hot stove show, yes. the, the show they did live on uh, the actually on the Thursday after we left. So we we missed that by one day, but but that's okay. We we had a wonderful time. We went to the backfield, watched the. Mets practice. Uh, Kathy got a signed baseball and a picture with her favorite player, Juan Lagares. And the highlight for me, of all people, <laughs> I got a, a picture with uh, with Fred Wilpon, who uh, engaged the fans there and, and couldn't have been nicer. And 
Finally, I, I want to uh, acknowledge the people that we were with, starting with Pam and Ed, who live in Port St. Lucie and basically coordinated all our activities and might have actually played a role in saving the mess from moving out of Port St. Lucie to another venue by going to a couple of meetings in the town, and uh, the, the Mets uh, really could go elsewhere, but there was a dispute with the renovation of the field there, and they worked it out. So whether or not they had any kind of a role in that, I don't know, but it certainly helped that they attended the meeting along with a bunch of other Mets fans who lived down there. And along with Pam and Ed, who were wonderful hosts, the other people Kathy and I were with, I want to give a shout-out to all of them because they made the six-day, five-night trip was very special. That's Bonnie, Celia, and Mitch, Karen, and Tracy. They made it a very special few days for us, and we plan on doing it, God willing, every year. And uh, like you said, I would recommend this to every Mets fan to, uh, to, uh, to do this at least once, and though it might sound very cliche-ish, this GKR group ends up being like a family. Very good, <laughs> and, and as you know, there are, there are a couple of groups around. Uh, uh, the uh, the Mets, uh, another big group is the fans of uh, the, the uh, Seven Line Army, which is another group, but uh, um this is a nice little group, and uh, they have outings too, folks. So, uh, you know, look for that uh, the next time. I think they've got to advertise it a little bit more this year when they have an outing. Mm-hmm. It's a big group. It's uh, word of mouth, and it's over 5,000 members now. It's actually run by Gary Cohen's wife, and uh, she, she she's terrific. And like I said before... It, it, it's like it, it's like a family now, and and maybe we can get some of those five thousand to listen to this show. That would be great. <laughs> well, I will definitely do my part in trying to get them to listen. <laughs> so, so tell us what what was it like? I mean, uh, you had nice weather. Um, well, you would have loved it, especially the last <laughs> couple of days when it got really hot. Yeah. Um, are the players more relaxed, more open, more friendly uh, in it? Uh, you know, because they're just working into it. They're not into their uh, real routines yet. Uh, is it? It's easier to get autographs and and pictures and that kind of thing. Oh, ab- absolutely! In fact, we went last year, but we went about two weeks later, and we were the only people down there not from Florida. So Pam and Ed had actually told us last year that we should come down there a little bit earlier this year, in part for the very reasons that you just mentioned, because the, the players were very relaxed and engaging, and we got a bunch of other players to sign baseballs and take pictures with us, and uh, some of it is on my Facebook page, some of it's on my wife's Facebook page, so uh, you know, every People are just welcome to go to those Facebook pages and and look at them, and it it, it was it was an absolute blast, Gary. You got to do it one day. I, I yeah, I know. We want to try to get down there, and uh, I, I'd love to go down the same time as you and hang out down there with you. Um, that would be awesome. We could maybe even do a Mets musings from down there, but uh, <laughs> okay, uh, that would be great. Um, 
but uh, so you you met your your best friend, your new best friend, uh, uh, <laughs> my new BFF, Fred Fred, Freddie Wilpon. Uh, Go figure. <laughs> What was that experience like? He couldn't have been nicer. And there were hundreds of fans that he treated the same way. It, it, it was amazing. We also had a quick, had a brief chat with Brody, told him, well, I relayed a message from Jeff Cohen to, to try to sign Gio Gonzalez. So <laughs> I did that, and, and I think this name will come up later in the show. I also mentioned to him that uh, Marwin Gonzalez would be or would have been a nice signing for the Mets. And, of course, he just smiled and laughed and probably said, muttered something under his breath <laughs> as he as he walked away from me. Now, was there any... But everyone was friendly. Okay. Everything was cool. I, I was just gonna. I was wondering if there was any nasty comments yelled at him from anybody uh, standing around. Uh, not, not, not that I, not that I could remember. Well, that's good because that would be a little crass, you know. Mm. Uh, you know whether you like him or not, he's coming over trying to be uh, personable, and uh, you know, and it is his money. I mean, <laughs> you know. How many it is times, true. How many times have we spent it for him? But uh, it still is his. It is amazing how easy it is for fans to spend other people's money, Gary. It certainly is, especially the owner. <laughs> so uh, you didn't get to see any games, but you did get to see some of the workouts and... and uh, how did you like the way that they had things set up out of the way, you know, as far as you could see, um, and, and, uh, the way they were, were you able to see the pitches throwing? How did that? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Now the last couple of days, they got out a little bit late because I guess that's when the full squad was scheduled to report. So what they said was that there was some team meetings. So they, Got out a little late, but the, the 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 first two days when most of them were there, they, it was really great. I mean, they I, I'm not sure exactly how many backfields there are, uh, at least four, maybe more. So on one field, you'd see the pitches drill. You know, a lot of the you know, as Keith always talk about, practicing the fundies, you know, covering first base. Uh, uh, the catchers practicing pop-ups, pitchers you know, throwing a couple of the pitchers were throwing hard. In fact, I think we saw Wheeler throwing pretty hard. And, uh, and I probably should have realized, because I remember saying to some of the group, we haven't seen Jed Lowry, so that should have tipped us off <laughs> that something might, might have been wrong with him. Well, but we pretty much saw everybody else. Lowry, of course, just to give everybody an update, uh, had uh, is battling some knee soreness, has a slight problem, had an MRI done. I believe he's still day-to-day. Uh, Todd Frazier also has c- came to New York for an MRI, and he had an oblique strain, and that's a that's a tough industry uh, uh, injury, as we've talked about in the past. Uh, 
with the obliques a couple of years ago, real big, a lot of oblique injuries, but Frazier's got an oblique injury. So that the uh, injury bug has uh, hit Port St. Lucie a little bit. Uh, uh, Jeff McNeil pulled out of today's game, but that was just for a scrape on his left arm. They're going to let it scab over. He'll be back. Nothing too much to worry about there, but... Um, you know, let's hope the pitches stay healthy. That's the whole key, I think. That's what it comes down to, Gary. And like I've said before, and on the last time uh, I did the podcast with you, I uh, don't want to, and I swore I would not drink the Kool-Aid again after 2017 when they blamed it all on injuries. Well, last year they had almost, or if not as many or more injuries, as they did the year before, although they did improve their win total from 2017. They were still under 500, but they still have the big pitching, and they clearly improved the bullpen with the acquisition of Edwin Diaz and also the re-signing of Jerry's Familiar. The bullpen on paper should be good, and as long as they've got the pitching, they've, they've got a shot to be competitive and in, and in the hunt. Well, let's hope so. So, uh, you know, uh, that it's uh, more like 2015 and less like uh, the year since. I hope so, Gary. (laughs) All right. I think we'll take a break at this point, and then we'll be back with our other special guest for today. Barry will join me with that, and uh, that will all happen right after this. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, 
Check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. Joining me this week is the uh, baseball writer for the New York Post, Ken Davidoff. And uh, Ken, thank you for coming on Mets Musings. Thanks for having me. And we're going to talk a little Mets baseball today. Uh, and also joining us, of course, is my former co-host and pal, uh, Barry Newman. Barry? Hey, Gary. Hey, Ken. Hi, Barry. Uh, Ken, now... Mets made a lot of changes in the offseason. New general manager Brody Van Wagenen come in, made some changes. Uh, uh, what's your feeling on the changes that he's made so far? Uh, well, it's clearly a, an improved baseball roster. He, he made a, a flurry of changes, as you know. Uh, and you just you look around the, the field, you see Robinson Cano, you see uh, Edwin Diaz, Wilson Ramos, Jerry Amelia, Justin Wilson, Jed Lowry. So, uh, it is clearly an upgraded roster. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and and I think he's added a lot of depth also to this team this year. I would agree, although that depth is being tested early with the injuries to Lowry and Todd Frazier. And now McNeil was scratched today, so. <laughs> I saw. That, that third base is going to be a bit of a problem, I think. <laughs> And uh, one of the things that he wanted to do, and, and I think he accomplished it to a certain extent, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that, was uh, revamping the bullpen. As you said, he brought in Edward Diaz, Dries Familia, but uh, um, brought in some other guys as well. Uh, what do you think about the constitution of the current bullpen? Yeah, again, it's, it's clearly significantly improved. I mean, you, you look at where uh, the bullpen was last year, uh, especially once the familiar trade happened, it was Lugo and, and Gazelman and not much else of note. So now Lugo and Gazelman get bumped down on the pecking order to arguably the, the fourth and fifth uh, best and or most accomplished guys in that bullpen. So, uh, yeah, Brendan's talking about Diaz. I mean, he's, he was the best closer in baseball last year. So uh, even if it's unreasonable to expect a repeat of what he did last year, uh, it is reasonable to expect he can be an all-star again. Yeah, yeah, Ken, I just want to weigh in on the uh, acquisition of Jed Lowry because, and Gary will tell you, of the two of us, I'm the eternal pessimist when it comes to the Mets. And I was fine with the Jed Lowry signing, regardless of the fact that he got injured, but I really hoped that the Mets would swap out instead of acquiring Jed Lowry. They would pick up a more versatile guy like Marwin Gonzalez. And now we find out that he basically signed a contract with the Twins for the same number of years and the same amount of money. So I would have felt a lot better if the Mets had a more versatile player like a Marlon Gonzalez instead of a Jed Lowry. Uh, I, I don't blame you, Barry. Yeah, Marlon Gonzalez, uh, his uh, ultimate price was, was uh, considerably lower than uh, most people anticipated. And yeah, so he got two for 21 for the Twins. I believe Lowry got for 20 uh, from the Mets, so for an extra million dollars, yeah, Gonzalez would have been a nice piece. He's not, he, when you look at Gonzalez's record, 
he's essentially a league average hitter with the notable exception of 2017 when he was a far above average. So the question is, uh, which guy is he? Whereas Lowry, for his career, is, is a, an above average hitter. Okay, you're, I, I agree with you there that that is absolutely true. I'm thinking more as a super subtype of player for a Marwin Gonzalez who you could bring in and play him anywhere. And the Mets, who, of course, have had such difficulty with their depth over the years after being besieged by injuries season after season, a player like Marwin Gonzalez would have really fit in nicely. I I can't dispute that, Barry. Yeah, no, no doubt Gonzalez has better defensive versatility than Jed Lowry does, and, and I think he's going to make the Twins better, and he, certainly he would have made the, uh, the Mets better. And, Gary, this one's for you also, at you and Ken, because over the years, and I'm afraid the Mets might be falling into this trap again this season where they sacrifice offense for defense, and they may be doing it again this season when we hear that they're moving Jeff McNeil to the outfield where he really hasn't played much since college. And that would also put Brandon Nimmo in center field. And I think it is hard to uh, argue that the Mets, at least defensively, would be a better team if Nemo and Conforto were in the corners and either Juan Lagares or Keon Braxton were playing center field, and McNeil would just stay in the infield. And now he may end up there anyway because of all the injuries the Mets have at third base. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with any of that. Look, I think if uh, if Lagares is healthy, he'll get some starts against lefty hitting, and uh, we'll see if Watson even makes the team. Uh, but uh, no, it's a very fair criticism. And, and, and the one thing I don't want to see the Mets do, because they've had a history of this, is jerking especially these young players around from position to position. They did it with Amos Otis years later. They did it with Greg Jeffries. And to a lesser degree, they even did it with a guy like Wilma Flores. I think that would not really help a player like McNeil playing him in multiple positions. That kind of a player or that kind of a spot, I think should more be reserved for a veteran player like a Marlon Gonzalez. <laughs> well, I can I would disagree a little bit with that. I think that McNeil is is that kind of player. He's played in multiple positions throughout his career. He played in college, I think, some third base, uh, some outfield. So I don't think he's as unfamiliar with the other positions as uh, some of the other guys that you mentioned. Uh, so I, I think he'll be okay, and I think he's the type of hitter that it's not gonna going to affect him as much uh, offensively as it did some of those other guys. Anybody? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I hope you're right, Gary. I just don't like to see the Mets, you know, kind of repeat their past mistakes. Yeah. Hopefully, Larry will be okay, and he will get. Most of the playing time at third base. Now, Ken, uh, first base is going to be an interesting thing. All winter we heard about Peter Alonso. Uh, heard very little bit about Dom Smith. Alonso makes uh, uh, quite a statement. First pitch in spring training, hits a home run. Uh, he's been doing pretty well. It's the only home run I believe he's hit, but he's been getting some walks in between. Um, what's your thoughts on first base? 
Uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you, you see what's going on uh, in Toronto with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And uh, you, you could argue that the Mets would be best off long term uh, not not starting the season with Alonzo, you know, having to play the minors for a couple of weeks to get that extra year of service time. But uh, from the way Brody Van Wagen has spoken repeatedly, uh, Peter Alonzo wins the job, uh, then he will get the job. So, uh, and, you know, now with Frazier injured, uh, that certainly increases uh, Alonzo's chances of getting the job. And do you think it was Alonzo's job to lose, or or uh, is it truly an open competition? No, definitely not Alonzo's job to lose. I mean, it was uh, his job to win, mm-hmm. because if he is not excellent, then that makes all the more sense to, to throw him into AAA just right. to get a, a few more at-bats. Right. In addition to the service time benefit, and uh, the outfield we talked about, Barry talked about a little bit. Um, do you think it's still a little thin out there? I mean, there's, there's enough uh, with Broxton and Lagaris and Nimmo and Conforto and and now McNeil, but um, you know, Broxton and Lagaris have a history of really not hitting consistently. Um, is it thin if they don't hit? Oh, the outfield is indisputably thin. Yes, I mean, the, you know, the, the reasoning for not going after Bryce Harper was that they had Jeff McNeil, which is, of course, silly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they clearly upgraded their uh, bullpen and their uh, infield uh, and their outfield. They you know, they didn't touch beyond uh, Roston. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that after those 10. Now, one guy that could have a spot as a possibility, he's looked okay so far, understand that it's only been four or five games, but what about Raj Davis? Gives the Mets speed, which they're sorely lacking. Has looked pretty good so far. And especially if Lowry and Todd Frazier miss time, more than likely McNeil will end up having to play some third base, and that might open up another outfield spot for a, a guy like Roger Davis. Yeah, Barry, Roger, Roger Davis, complete professional, uh, really nice career, but uh, yeah, if you need to fill in for uh, a couple of weeks, I think that's okay, but I also think there's a reason he got a minor league contract. I think mm-hmm. he's near the end. The only thing I, I would say is I think they probably, not that the depth is there, but it's, you know, they absolutely had nobody at Tidewater last year. That uh, Tidewater, listen to me. Tidewater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Vegas uh, last year that uh, really, uh, as far as the outfield position go, at least they'll have a Raj Davis down there. I mean, it, it's not much, but it's... And I just, you know, they seem to be a little bit better than they were last year, at least in that aspect. I agree, but but you know, you're talking about going from from an F to a C minus, yeah. so <laughs> it's it's progress. But I'm not sure you want to throw a party over it. Uh, and uh, you know, we we've been hearing rumors uh, with these rule changes and stuff, and and one of the rules that the uh, the union wants is, of course, the DH and uh, I am vehemently against the DH, but I have a feeling it's coming 
sooner than later. Um, do you think that, that Brody, when he built this team for next year and for a couple of years down the road, that he had that in mind, that he had an inkling that the DH could be coming? Because it seems like the Mets are probably one of the best position teams in the National League if a DH came in about. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think uh, it was on. It was part of the uh, equation. I don't think it was a strong part of the equation. I mean, I'd be very surprised if the DH came any earlier than 2022. Uh, so that's you know, you're talking about. Well, obviously, we're talking about Robinson Cano primarily here. Uh, he's entered 2023, so that's that's uh, still three years uh, beyond now. So, Ken, you really don't think the DH will be in the National League for another two, three years? That's interesting, because I've heard possibly next year. Well, that's what the union wants next year. Uh, but if I were to bet, I would bet that uh, that it would be after this collective bargaining agreement, which expires in 2021. Okay, that is interesting. I'm kind of hoping, as a Mets fan, that it's sooner than that, because like Gary said, the Mets are pretty well set in the DHO if they need to have one with hopefully a healthy Cespedes next year, an older Robinson Cano, uh, Alonzo, if he doesn't, you know, if, if his defense turns out to be suspect, you could just put him in to the DHO. The Mets are, are better prepared as a National League team to have a DH than most other teams. So I'm hoping it's sooner. If it's going to happen... I'm hoping that it's no later than 2020. <laughs> Plus, we're getting yeah, I, I would, I would better get it. We're getting older, so <laughs> uh, you know, I wonder if we'll see it. Uh, but um, Kent, going back to that, uh, do you hear? I mean, in the past, they said that there were owners in the National League that were against it. Could their views be softening because of the uh, what's happening in the free agent market at all, and, and they realize they don't have to hire a big-time uh, DH and uh, they can utilize other players in that position? Do you think that's the reason why we're hearing talk about it? No, I don't think it has to do with the free agent market softening. I think, I mean, one big factor is, Every year, you see pitchers suffer injuries from from hitting and running the bases, and pitchers are these prized commodities. And uh, so, if you can avoid uh, injuries by having them only pitch, uh, I think that's very beneficial to the team. So, I think that's a significant factor. I I think there's also a realization that uh, that uh, the, the more offense, uh, the better in terms of marketing the product. And wh- where are you personally on the whole DH issue? <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I think it's time for integration. I think it's time for both leagues to have it. I, I would certainly miss the strategy stuff with pinch hitting for pitcher and double switches, uh, but I'm not sure the younger generation has uh, has really embraced that the same way uh, old fogies like uh, the three of us have. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the rule changes that's being proposed, and this, this is one of the ones that I'm I I I'm very much in favor of, is these 40-man rosters in the September call-ups, I think it's absolutely ridiculous when you see one team with 40 
plays in the dugout as opposed to another team, which maybe their triple-A team is in the playoffs, so they only have a handful of guys caught up. So you really have one team playing with a 40-man roster versus another team having maybe 28 to 30 guys. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's one of the rule changes that they're trying to fix. Yes. Yeah, there's always been a lot of discussion about that. There was a lot of discussion about that on the last round of what the bargain, and they, they didn't get it done. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Barry. It's, it is uh, indefensible what goes on in September, uh, both from a fairness standpoint and from a, a pace and time of game standpoint. You, you know, get these uh, games with playoff implications where, where managers can have, have 14, 15 relievers at their disposal. <laughs> right. Silly. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing I like about that, yeah, about the expanded rosters, is, you know, is something like Tebow coming up this September, you know, fun stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, all in all, I think the, the bad outweighs the good and it should be changed. Um, Ken, what's your feelings on the, on the next uh, agreement? Will they reach an agreement or could we possibly look, be looking at a strike? I think a strike is a real possibility. And is it over the uh, current free agent situation, or it's really over everything? It's over the fact that uh, uh, this past uh, base agreement has turned out to be extremely uh, beneficial for the owners, and nowhere is beneficial for the players. So there's a lot of sore feelings on the player side, and and they're going to want to uh, to win this next one. And I, I think that could lead to uh, disastrous consequences. Does uh, Jacob Degrom get signed? Do you think before spring training's over, or by opening day, I should say, or will this linger on until the off season? Uh, I'm going to bet that they do get it done. I think uh, I think Degrom clearly wants to sign uh, for the long term, and I, I think the Mets uh, uh, have a lot of pressure from their fan base about the spending their commitment to winning. So I do, I do, uh, I am betting on them finding common ground. And what's going on with Bryce Harper? Because I can't eat, I can't sleep, and until he gets signed, I'm 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 just nowhere. Now, and also, is this really a Harper thing, or is this a Scott Forrest thing? Well, they're one and the same, Barry. Yeah, good point. <laughs> what yeah. what is it with Scott Forrest and taking these guys right down to the wire? Uh. Well, I mean, he, he believes in using the, the calendar and the clock to his benefit. Uh, it has often paid off handsomely. Sometimes it has not. Uh, and we will see uh, eventually with Harper. And taking, talking about taking it down to the wire, uh, I, I think we, sh- we should wrap up things uh, here, guys, uh, if, if, uh, if you're close to done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you think is the holdup? Is it the Phillies just trying to keep the deal at a measly $300 million for 10 years and Boris is trying, because of his ego, trying to make sure that Harper is the highest paid player in the game and has the longest contract in the game. Yeah, that Arenado signed for $32.5 million per year, and Machado signed the 10-year $300 million deal. Boris has to get in and get a bigger deal for Harper. You think that has anything to do with the delay? I honestly don't know, Barry. I don't know. 
Okay, well, uh, I want to thank you, Ken, for coming on today and taking some time with us. And uh, enjoy your rest of the time in Florida and the nice weather. It's a little chilly up here in New York, so uh, enjoy the sunshine. And Ken, okay, one thanks. more thing before we let you go, because a friend of mine, Debbie, is celebrating a birthday today. Her grandfather's name was Davidoff, and they are from the Stanford, Connecticut area, and she wants to know if you have any family from Stanford. No, I don't. I, my family is, is pretty small, uh, so uh, I think I, uh, I mean, it might be a distant relative. Um, but uh, I am not aware of any family in Stanford. From Stanford. Okay. No. Well, well, thank you for that. And it was a, a fun time with you and speaking with you and speaking with Gary and, and seeing you again in Florida. Uh, Ken and I go back uh, <laughs> quite a while from his pop quiz days <laughs> in Newsday and the uh, times when he would rank the teams from 1 to 30, making sure that Clint Barmouth and Cliff Barnes were not confused. Uh, we go back a ways. <laughs> well, it, was, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And thanks again, okay. Ken, for coming on. Okay, have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye now. You, you too. Bye. All right. Uh, that was Ken Davidoff of uh, New York Post. And uh, he was gracious enough to come on. And Barry and I will be back right after this. C70. My name is Daniel Shoftal, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. All right, and I'm back, and uh, I want to thank my special guests today, Barry Newman and Ken Davidoff, for coming on and being a part of today's show, this week's show, and I hope you all enjoy it. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in, and uh, please go and subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube, wherever you listen or watch the podcast, it helps me grow the podcast and uh, um, make it bigger so things uh, maybe we get some bigger guests for you uh, out there. And remember, until the next time, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>